0: Hi, everyone, and welcome to Academic Dean, where we connect with passionate college leaders who share their stories and viewpoints of higher education, especially lessons learned along the way. Now, here's your host, Dr.
1: Dave Gurchak. Hi, everyone. Today, I'd like to welcome Ms. Stephanie Gray to our show. Ms. Gray is the dean of Gallatin College, Montana State University in Bozeman, Montana. Hi, Stephanie. I'm excited to have you on our podcast today.
0: Hi, Dave. I'm I'm just thrilled to be here. I love your podcast. I've learned a lot from it so far.
1: (laughs) Well, thanks. That's nice to hear. So can you tell me a little bit about Gallatin College and why students select your institution?
0: Sure. I I think first, uh, Gallatin College has a strong culture of helping students fulfill their potential. And um, we've worked hard this past couple of years to focus on that culture of helping students discover what they want to do, discover what brings them passion, and help them fulfill their potential. So so first there's that, is that um, we want to make sure students can explore that. So they're happy. You know, we spend a lot of time at work. Yeah, people should be happy um, doing what they're doing. And then, uh, you know, I think the other thing about Gallatin College, like every community college or two-year colleges, our classrooms are small, our faculty are passionate about what they're teaching. Um, We have lots of different things to offer, and I'm sure we'll get into some of those as far as one-year certificates and two-year degrees and professional uh, technical certificates and transfer degrees, and um, so we have lots to offer. I really take a lot of pride in the fact that Gallatin College is a reflection or a mirror of what is happening in Gallatin and Park counties in regards to workforce. So if you come to Gallatin College and you participate in one of our workforce programs or earn one of our workforce certificates or degrees, you will be able to have get a job in the county, um, or in one of the our local area, I should say, and um, because we are very engaged with with industry and hearing what they their needs are and altering our curriculum based on those needs. So that's another great thing about Gallatin College that um, there's an assurance there if you invest in yourself and your education that you will be rewarded with a with a job. Um, in your local community. And then, um, you know, I think another great asset we have is certainly our our Montana State University. We're a college within the university, so we have that connection. And then we are in this great community, you know, this town, Bozeman, Montana, where people want to stay and eke out a living. And I, I, I have to say that that is part of the reason why we've had some success is this great town we live in and this great environment that we live in. There's always that lifestyle piece, whether you're a professional or a student that you want to be able to go hike and fish and ski and bike. So I would say those are the big reasons.
1: Yeah. Bozeman's a fun town to, to visit for sure. Being in Billings, that's always something we always like to do. So, so here's a question is, um, do you have any, unique programs at Gallatin? Yes, yes we do. We have got,
0: um, I'd say one of our unique programs is aviation. So you can learn to become a pilot, um, a private pilot and then work on your commercial license. And we have partnerships with many of our regional airlines to help our students do that once they graduate from us. Another unique program is photonics, laser and optics. You may not know this, but Bozeman has the most per capita photonics, laser, and optics companies in the country. Um, and so we've got, last count, around 40 companies that need uh, technicians to work, to work for them. You know, most of them are small companies, a few mediums, uh, but, they, but they send their products all over the world. And so that one's very unique to us, uh, particular regionally, actually. Um, and then I would say all the rest are pretty traditional to a one- and two-year um, degree and certificate. Okay. Offerings.
1: What's um, what's what's new at Gallatin, and what's on the horizon? What's going to be happening down the road for Gallatin College?
0: Well, what's new is that we are new. We're still new. Uh, you know, we, we just, we just celebrated our 10th year anniversary. Actually the first year I became the Dean here, we were a, um, we were starting our 10th year anniversary. And so in, in regards to high institutions of higher education, that's, that's pretty new. And so we are, we don't have a building and we are spread out all over MSU's campus. We're spread out all over our community. Uh, We have students going to classes at the airport and at an off-site location we refer to as Gallatin College East. And we have students coming on to uh, MSU's campus and we have students going to Bozeman High to take welding courses. So a big on our horizon is a new building and we are in 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 line to get public funding from montana state legislature to get that building and very excited about um what opportunities that's going to provide us and our students and and our community when that does happen so that's you know we'll put that big piece aside Um, we've got Programmatically, uh, some interesting new projects. One of them is um, avionics um, and electronics and mechatronics, lots in manufacturing that we're starting to work on, um, plastic mold injection. Uh, We have some manufacturing companies that are needing help with those types of uh, technicians. And um, I would say specifically, we started an HVAC R program this fall. And then all those other ones I just listed are in development right now. Um, It's, you know, like I said earlier, everything kind of in my head starts with, okay, where are we gonna put this? (laughs) And um, so we're, we're doing the best to keep up. Our industry partners have been amazing and said, well, you could run your labs in in our, um, you know, in our warehouse if you want. And that's that's great. It's not a great sustainable model uh, because someday they might need the space back. But it it does the job for a quick startup. Um, so, yeah, I think that that's that covers everything for our future.
1: Yeah, that's really exciting about the new building that would look gorgeous on MSU's campus for sure.
0: You know, I'll also say, and we may get into this later, is being as as we call an embedded college of Montana State University, our students can easily take MSU classes and start working on their baccalaureate degree, or the um, baccalaureate students come to us and we have engineering students taking welding classes, or we have Ag students taking welding or some of our CAD classes and computer aided drafting classes. And so it, there's some really nice back and forth for students.
1: You know, you're, you're the first uh, embedded dean uh, I've had on the podcast. So uh, tell me a little bit about what's the difference between being an embedded college compared to, a, to your standalone college compared to a community college?
0: Well, first, I do not have a uh, board of trustees or board of directors like the standalone colleges do. Um, so I um, I report to or my to the provost of Montana State University, and I sit on the dean's council with all the other deans. Um, I happily serve under President Waded Cruzado, and uh, she's a great supporter of two year education. And, you know, we all of our programs have to be vetted in a four year, more traditional four year curriculum and um, program committee, which is fun and interesting because we take, uh, you know, uh, avionics program to a bunch of faculty who teach American literature and physics, and chemistry, and and um, it makes for really good conversation uh, and, and They understand our mission though. They understand that we're about access and workforce and affordability and um, serving our community. And, and we've really, you know, since I've been the Dean have had no issue with getting programs approved at our level. Um, I think I, I, I like to think that we're broadening their scope and their view of the world. and, And they certainly broaden ours and remind us every once in a while that, you know, it's good to, Spend a little time reading some books and thinking critically about things, and having conversations—not just all skills—and um, which is important, of course. So there's there's that. Um, I would say that you know, like I mentioned earlier, we we certainly have the benefit. Uh, our students have the benefit of being exposed to uh, baccalaureate education. Um, very easily, they they could go take a cl- an engineering class, or they can take a, a you know an education class pretty easily because they're enrolled at MSU, and that is a nice advantage. I think they get to go to football games and use our rec centers and our library. So those are resources that I would never have um, at this level with at this size of school. So that's certainly an opportunity. Uh, you know, Dave, I don't see any limitations. I also understand that that is because of the leadership that I have and the value that they have placed on. uh, I think the dynamic role that higher education has, meaning everything from certifications up to PhDs. And we do it all here at MSU. I'm really proud of that. We can do it. We can do it all.
1: Yeah, I I would I would think that being uh, on Montana State University's campus is a huge advantage for for both uh, the faculty and the staff and the students.
0: You know, another thing that you mentioned reminded me of is we do get students, you know, MSU serves a lot of out of state students right now um a result of being in Bozeman and you know our tuition is 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 affordable. And we will get students who have come from California or Minnesota and they are used to and understand what community colleges are and the value they have and they'll start with us. They, they've enrolled in MSU. Oh, oh, gallatin College, you're right here. Let's just enroll with you for a year or two and then we'll transfer to MSU. So I think that's, you know, that's not part of our mission because we're here to serve our local students um, primarily. But you know, obviously, we we do that, and it adds diversity and a richness to our classes, particular our our AA and AS classes um, that maybe other two year community colleges may not have because we do get a mix of out of state students in in our courses. Mm.
1: Well, let's talk about you for a little bit. Can you, can you discuss the path that, that brought you in to being the dean at Gallatin College?
0: Oh, man. I never would have thought I would be number one in higher education and, and now a dean. So my um, family, I have all the men in my life were either in construction or ranchers Um, a couple of football coaches thrown in there and, um, my retail industry, uh, I lived, grew up, uh, in Colorado. And so my father ran a ski rental shop. So I guess hospitality and service. And then my, all the, all the women in my life, my grandmother got her master's degree in McAllister, Texas. And so a real, um, acknowledgement of education and how important and the value of education. My mom was a teacher and uh, also received her master's degree. And so it was sort of like, well, of course I'm in two year and two year education because I got to grow up building houses and working in industry, but I also got to sit at the table and talk about education. So that makes sense. But I I started out inside in, um, in nonprofits because I received my uh, degree in psychology and really had a passion for helping young adults find their way in the world. Young adults who had had um, trauma in their life and, uh, or were living in poverty. And um, this core value because of my mom and grandmother that you can change anything in your life's path if you use education and how lucky are we, we all get to access education. And so worked at a bunch of nonprofits. I worked at Graveyard Shift as a at a teen pregnant home, being a 21-year-old helping young teens figure out how to raise babies, which I was way out of my league there. And I worked at a runaway crisis center and I worked at um, finally ended up as the youth development director at a local human resource development council, which is a nonprofit here in Bozeman. And um, so realized that, wow, poverty programs, were we were raising the dial a little, but it wasn't a lot. And But notice that the students that were focusing on their education were managing to get themselves out of bad situations or situations that they were born into perhaps. Um, And so just got more interested in higher education and a position in program development came up at Gallatin College. And I thought, you know what? I'm gonna give that a try and loved it. Got to work with industry partners and develop new programs and developed a lot of the programs that we grew so much here in the years five, six, seven, eight, and 10. And then uh, continued to like sort of the business of higher ed and working with faculty and working with students and working with industry and bringing all those different groups together and creating systems to improve delivery and just, just love it. I've, I've sort of found my place in the world and um, I hope I hope I'm doing an okay job. It's just been two years as the dean but that's the long story. thanks but, for asking
1: So does it does it seem that being that involved with workforce and working with the community helped you as stepping into that role as Dean at Gallatin?
0: Yes, I think it it helped me a lot. I think sometimes it might bias me towards. our our workforce programs. And I have to remind myself that we also offer developmental education and we offer our associate of arts and science degrees and all very important. And that we offer dual enrollment, but um, it helped me with my competence because we get our, our value from industry, our local industry. We get our um, sort of our you know, if, if we aren't meeting their needs, we aren't doing our job and our reputation, like our reputation is, is so dependent upon us serving them and their needs, them being happy with that and um, liking our product, which is our students. And so having those relationships, having lived in Bozeman for 26 years, I think helped a lot because I knew who I needed to go to and who I needed to talk to and who, who could help when we needed help. So yes. Yeah. I think it helped a lot.
1: You know uh, when I was Dean, I always had people come up and ask me, so, so what does a Dean do? Cause you know, <laughs> I mean, it just, so they can't, they understand what faculty does and they understand some of the other jobs, but what's a Dean do? So can you walk me through, your day-to-day responsibility of being a dean at an embedded two-year college.
0: Well, um, my, the first thing we do is make sure we have enough money to pay the bills, and so there's that. So there's all the budget analysis and and making sure that we are balancing and being very responsible, good stewards of our public tax dollars. So we sometimes have to make decisions about we have a workforce program and this fall it's kind of low enrolled, but it's still really valuable. Maybe it only has seven students in it or six students in it. I have to balance that out with, oh, well, we've got a welding program that is packed and they're doing okay. And so budgetarily speaking, those two can take care of one, you know, those one, one subsidizing the other. We'll just, you know, we all know that. And, um, but those are still hard decisions because you feel like I'm, I take very seriously my responsibility of, of these public funds that we get. Um, so there's that there um, there's all the future visioning activities, which I, what do we want to be doing next? who's moving into our community. We've got some new um, medical healthcare facilities coming into Bozeman. I need to be meeting with those people, those CEOs and making sure that we're gonna be able to meet their workforce demand, what's happening in construction trades. You know, So a lot of meetings with industry partners to make sure we're meeting their needs. Um, a lot of meeting with, Montana State University partners, other deans, how can we partner with our MSU partners to help our students uh, retain them into MSU? Or um, like, for instance, I just talked to the Dean of Arts and Architecture. They wanna do a Gallatin College Night and have our students come over and, and, and visit them and see if they, our students have any interest in any of their four-year programs. Um, uh, of course, you know, the usual management issues that you have when you have a, you know, 200 employees and a thousand students that you're trying to take care of with one and keep them all on the page of one mission, one vision. So it's, you know, those management, HR personnel issues. Um, right now, there's a lot of. COVID funding that is sort of out there (laughs) floating around in the world and um, we may have opportunities. I I think that's one thing is paying attention to opportunities that could be right in front of you. And I spend a lot of time grabbing those opportunities and saying, we can do this and then figuring out how we're going to do it. Um, you know, with some of the ARPA funding and the COVID relief funding, we've we've done a lot of those a lot of those things. And what's best for our students, and then establishing culture and joy and happiness for everyone who's involved in the college, whether it's students or faculty, and and um, you know where are we heading and um, how do we want to proceed I think is more important sometimes than where it's it's how do we want to do this how how do we want to treat one another and and our students I spend a lot of time worrying am I pushing people too hard am I not pushing them enough and I think that's just being new to this dean job I'm I'm pretty uh focused on the future and and driven about that. And I am a data person. I like counting things because it gives me probably some stability. And then so as a dean, you balance out your own style with your staffs and faculty style of, I don't really like to count things. I just like to make sure my whole class is happy and we're learning what we're supposed to learn. And I didn't realize that there were only five people sitting in the classroom because we're and and so just knowing that some of that stuff is is okay because we're still accomplishing um, what we're here to accomplish.
1: So, how has your leadership style evolved since becoming dean in 2019? You've had two years, so how are you growing into the position? Well, that's a that's
0: a great question. Um, I came from jobs later that, you know, the when I was a program development person for Gallatin College, it was very independent. I was in my own head. I was doing my own work. Of course, the dean at that time was approving all of it, but I just got very used to working with my ideas, getting them done and getting the projects done and moving on. And so when I moved into the Dean position, I really had to, I'm still just learning this. I need to get out of my head and start speaking about what's inside of my head to to my staff better. Because I think when you are an internal, um, when you've transitioned as an internal person, You've built relationships with people. And I, the mistake I made is I made some assumptions that surely they know what I'm thinking. They've worked with me for seven years, but that's just not true. And that's not fair. I need to, needed to do a better job of telling them about, here's the direction I want to be moving. And um, here's what I'm thinking about this project. So there was, there's, there's that part, communicate, communicate, communicate. And um, the idea of, which we all know as leaders, getting to know everybody's strengths and weaknesses and appreciate all of those and finding the right fits for people. It has been, you know, I know it's important. You, you do that with students. I got to teach a little too, prior to becoming the Dean. And so, you know, knowing how to work with students and learning their ability and their style and you do the same thing with with staff let's see i think um just keeping everybody uh focused on the vision and the future knowing when to tell them things and when not to tell them things i think that was a an interesting thing that covid taught me is um There's certainly times you need to share things and there's other times because COVID was changing the rules around it were changing so quickly that maybe you didn't need to tell them what was needed that day because it would change the next day. And it, it caused stress sometimes.
1: (laughs) Um, Do you, do you have any advice then for, for new, new Dean stepping into the role? What'd you learn? What would you like to share with them?
0: I don't know if I'm in any position to give advice to Dean's cause I'm still so new. I just celebrated my second year. Um, but you know li- Yeah, we, we all listen. Yeah, of course, continuing to listen is important for me. It was taking the time to be compassionate and thoughtful that if you just take that extra five minutes to listen to somebody, ask a few more questions, it could save you hours of time later when they're, you know, ready to walk out the door because they're so frustrated. Um, and to know that you don't know all the answers and to use your resources, don't be afraid to use your resources. You know, I have amazing resources at MSU. I've got fiscal people I can call, I've got HR people I can call. Um, I think a funny lesson I learned was, um, when you open your mouth, people really do listen and respond to what you say. I, I wasn't used to that. I've never been in this type of a leadership role. So I think maybe the first month I was the dean, I said something totally on the off the cuff about we should really use recycled paper products. From now on, you know, like when we buy things, we should be more responsible. and, or maybe not, maybe just have people bring in their own stuff. And um, the person who is responsible for ordering those things heard me and was like, all of a sudden, everything changed. And I went into a different office. And they said, we hear that you're not going to let us use paper products anymore, Stephanie. And I was like, no, that's not what I was. Oh, my gosh, that's not what I was like, no big decision has been made. I was just contemplating like what we might want to do that's a great point that's a it's a very simple small thing but it made me realize that i can't just say things off the cuff like i used to yeah if i because people might think that it's policy and it's official and um and unless it is right
1: Yeah. yeah well how do you continue to learn in order to stay on top of things as a dean
0: um well I I am a big podcast fan so you're on my list now. I'm, I'm glad to so hear I that. love listening to your very um yours is great because it's very targeted. You, the people you're talking to understand the business. So there's that and and of course there's some other leadership style of podcasts that I like to listen to. Reading um Uh, we just read Passion for Leadership here um, by uh, Gates. And so, you know, kind of always having a leadership style book going on, reading it. Um, You know, to me, one of the things that has been the most challenging is you don't get feedback as a dean. You don't no one's going to come into your office and say, oh, Stephanie, that meeting you just ran. You need to do it differently next time. Here, here's what you did wrong. Um, and you do get that as an employee. You know, you get your annual review and um, and we, we do get annual reviews. But at this level, the provost really doesn't, you know, he's not in my daily work. He, does, he doesn't really know. But so I'm trying to figure out a way to get... To create an environment where people are open to giving me more feedback. And, um, so I'm working, you know, I've, uh, I'm, I'm thinking, you know, some kind of a anonymous survey or something like that, because, you know, I, I do know uh, everyone communicates differently and I would like to know how I can improve myself in those areas. So that would be another way is, is trying to figure out a way to get feedback. And I know there's, tons of ways out there i just haven't had the time to look into them <laughs> but feed, but feedback from my direct reports um and you know re, the the uh, different associations um uh association of uh community colleges is another area just constantly trying to take the time to read and i think it is a it needs to be a priority is taking the time to to read and constantly be learning about how you can improve situations.
1: So uh, since you mentioned books, what are some of your favorite books on leadership you've read?
0: Well, the Passion for, let's see. Yeah, Passion for Leadership is one we just read um, that I really liked. It was really practical about um, Gates running. You know, he ran a and the CIA and Department of Defense for two different presidents well actually three different presidents I'm I'm not I don't remember the details but um and he just compared all the different bureaucracies and I guess I'll just say that one for for now That's a good one yeah I yeah
1: people are always lit- looking for new books to look up so when you guys ma- mention one that you enjoy I like to kind of promote it so um how does your college, this is a little bit of a different twist, so let me let me ask this a little bit of a lengthy question here. How does your college ensure that students coming out of your programs meet today's business and industry needs? I mean, because they go to school, but how do we know we're doing our job?
0: Yeah, that's, that's a good question, and I'm sure it is always the worry and concern of, of any Good educational leader um, so one way we do that is of course our industry advisories you know getting feedback from them and really setting the stage to say you we want to hear we want to hear the good, the bad, and the ugly and giving them permission to uh, really tell us what's working and what's not working in um, at our advisory meetings. Uh, You know, I try every civic group, Lions Club, Chamber of Commerce. Every time I have the opportunity to speak, I I always end with my website or my email and my phone number are on our website. Please call me. And, you know, I would prefer you call the instructor or the director, department head, but if that's not comfortable, give me a call and tell me what's going on. What, well, you know, what do you think working or not working? And, and I'm thinking of worst case scenario. I mean, most of the time the calls are, everything's really great. I'd like them to still learn this one little skill and it's not a big deal at all, but for some reason, they don't want to call the instructor and tell them that. And so, you know, we'll either communicate that or get them to talk to them. So that's, you know, that's certainly one way. Um, you know, another thing we, we, are trying to figure out is how we're in the habit of pulling an alumni student onto those industry advisories, so they're going to be able to give they're giving input then too, like how as a student did you feel you were prepared? Um, so putting an alumni on the advisory is is important, but how can we survey our students? You know, as you know, surveying students. After they've left is well, even when they're around is tricky. We don't have the best, um, you know, results for them reporting back. But it doesn't mean we shouldn't try to find out how they felt prepared. Is there something they felt they should have, um, you know, could have had better access to? Do they do they get exposed to the correct equipment and tools and professionalism that they needed for their job? Same questions to industry and. You know, you hear the worst. You hear all the fringe. You hear either the the folks that like amazing students, great. I loved my experience at Calvin College, and then you also hear the the lower the other extreme of, you didn't prepare me for anything. And so, um, knowing that the middle is is probably okay, listening to those th- items, but um, and and getting to the down to the root of if there really is a problem in a program. But I, I think that feedback loop and creating a healthy feedback loop is really important.
1: Well, what's been some of the proudest moments you've had so far at Gallatin?
0: Oh, that's a good question. Well, of course. Um, I think some of the proudest moments are when industry or our local elected officials come to us first and say, we think you guys can help us solve this problem, whether it's um, related to a workforce demand issue or a childcare issue, or I mean, even just a community issue. Um, we're currently in partnership, possibly with our county, um, government, one of the county commissioners called us and said, Hey, we have some funding. We would like to give it to you all, you to Gallatin college. Do you, could you send us a proposal? And, um, I'm being vague on purpose, but that was a really proud moment for me because they knew they could trust us to do the right thing to solve the problem that they wanted to have solved. And, you know, it's uh, surrounded around workforce and I talked to the staff and the faculty about that and said, they could go to private sector. They could go to part to the department of labor. They, they have a lot of other choices they could go to nonprofits and they came to us. And so that made me very happy. And I, I do when it private industry comes to us with the same kinds of questions, I'm really proud about that. Um, certainly, of course, I have to say, you know, the response we've had to COVID has certainly been made me proud and happy and everyone stepped up just like at most institutions. Um, but yeah, I think, those are, the, those are the things that I think of. And, um, you know, our, those independent student stories of changing people's lives and changing the traje- trajectories of, you know, where they may have been going and how they shifted and that one of our faculty had an influence on them. Um, you know, we had a faculty who had a struggle during COVID and had to leave for a while. And I was worried about it and how students would respond to that. And the students loved this faculty so much and this faculty was so good at what they did that they ended up supporting the faculty through this, this struggle in their life. And I was like, wow, that's, that's pretty cool. Um, you know. And, and he was very clear and transparent about what was going on, and and that that was that was a proud moment. That made me feel like okay, we we're creating an environment and a community, along with all the other things we're doing, that is supportive, and um, that's you know we need that in the world right now. So those are some those are a few stories.
1: Those are good stories. Um, <laughs> as the semester is about ready to start, what's your biggest challenge right now? Oh, well.
0: Hmm, uh, right now it is... Uh, we're, we're, I think we're gonna have enough faculty. <laughs> I, it's, it's gonna be right up to the, to the limit of, uh, up to day one of starting. I mean, we're still hiring faculty and trying to find faculty to teach some courses. With Workforce, you hire faculty out of industry generally, right? Because you're using what I, you know, they're non-tenure track part-time faculty. And so we have an amazing economy right now in Gallatin County, which like much like most of Montana, our unemployment rate is like 2.7. The wages are going up finally, which is great. However, you know, that creates great competition for me to go out and hire workforce faculty that are very um up to date on what what they should be teaching. So that is a concern I have. I would like to be paying them all more. I'd love to be paying their market um you know what they deserve to be making um, in regards to their skill set and what they know. So that that's one I'm slightly concerned about enrollment um just because of the reasons I just told you. People can go out and make a lot of money, um, a lot more money, $20 an hour in service industry jobs right now in our county. Employers are doing anything they can to get them. So there's some competition um, for human resources right now. So that's why the push for this idea of fulfilling your potential. You know, spend the time, invest in yourself to do what you love and you're passionate about, um, as opposed to chasing, you know, the dollar, two dollars more you can make right now working at in a in a in a retail or service industry. Um, If you love that, fantastic, that that's great. But if not, come to us, invest some time, invest some energy in yourself, and really do what you 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 want to do, and then come out a year later and make the same amount of money. So a little worried about that, um, but we're we're working on it. And let's see. I would say those are the, you know, those are the big things. I, I really want to make sure faculty feel supported this year. They've we've all been through a tough year, and um, there could be some more challenges ahead for us. So I just want to really spend time being, you know, making sure we're all being compassionate and caring for one another and helping people adapt. And uh, so, yeah, I'd say that's it.
1: Well, here's my last question. So how do you (laughs) see higher ed evolving over the next five to 10 years?
0: I love that question. So I may have said this to you before, but I think we are, have gotten very used to, and people much younger than us, it's how they pick their music, right? We have playlists. Um, education is going to be, I think, moving into a playlist selection, which is really great for two year um, and um, community colleges because you get to come in and say, you know what? I want to take a year of bookkeeping and then I'm going to go out and work for a little bit. And then they can come back and add to their playlist and say, oh, business management, that's what I need. Or welding. And then, you know what, I'm ready to be an engineer. I'm going to go be an engineer. And so um, creating those um, stackable credentials so is, is really going to be important. Uh, allowing students to create their plans on their own and figure out what they need so they can adapt to their, to their future, I think is, is really important. I think me sitting here on a four-year campus, I keep talking to them about this stuff and, and they're getting closer. I think there's going to be a time and maybe MSU will be the first, um, you know, one of the first four years to do this, where you can get a baccalaureate degree with a concentration in welding or a baccalaureate degree with a concentration in, um, you know, cybersecurity. you know whatever that might look like whatever the student designs I think that's that's the future and teaching in the evenings and this is another thing we're going to do to try to affect that enrollment issue allowing people to keep working during the day teach them on Friday nights Saturday mornings which is going to be a challenge for finding faculty for those slots Um, and then you know, providing that flexibility for our students and and certainly all the lessons we learned about hybrid education and remote learning and um, allowing students to stay place bound until they need to come into a lab and do something face to face. It's just it's very exciting right now in, in education, what we can do and um, how we can deliver and offer programs work based learning. Um, Letting them, you know, the apprenticeship style, stay on the job for four days and then come do some bookwork on Fridays and Saturdays.
1: Yes, exciting! There is a lot of exciting stuff getting ready to start here. Who would have thought that COVID would have started some of that stuff for us, or at least at least accelerated uh, the two-year schools to move toward that?
0: Yeah. Yeah, it, it, it really helped us move on in a lot of ways. Our, some of our bureaucratic processes have gotten a lot better too.
1: <laughs> well, Steph, it's been great to have you on the show today. Thank you so much for, for being a guest.
0: Well, thanks for having me and thinking of us. We uh, appreciate it and I love the podcast.
1: It's great. <laughs> great, thanks. Well, that wraps up today's episode. Thanks everyone for listening.
0: Thanks for listening to today's episode and make sure to visit our website at academicdean.com for additional information. Also, if you enjoy our podcast, please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Until next time.